He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello, welcome to week 18 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. Thanks for joining uh, us. Uh, I'm joined here today, there's actually four of us today, we've got the full team. Um, I'm joined today by Barry. Hey Barry. Hey Bob, how's it going? Back. Good to be uh, back. Good, good. Yeah, good to have you back. Yeah, we missed you last week. Uh, we have to be a bit nicer to you this week now that you're back here, you know. Yeah, yeah, nobody to defend me last week. <laughs> so you guys have uh, fun. Uh, we're joined by James again. Hey, James. How are you, Bob? Good, good. Really? I complain. And Alan, you're back as well. Uh, you're here, here Two as weeks well. in a row, this is a new one. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, how are we all doing anyway? The weather's pretty good at the moment, isn't it? Fantastic, yeah. I presume you're all playing loads of golf. I'm not. No. I, I, well, I mentioned before that I lost my clubs, but I got a rental set for last Friday, or last Thursday. Played at four balls, lost in the 19th, but uh, we were both a bit rusty, so not too bad, you know, kind of playing okay. You played a good bit of uh, golf, Barry, didn't you? Played lots, yeah, I think the nine holes Thursday evening, Friday evening, bit of competition, and Saturday was very windy. But you played, you know, didn't play great, but scored okay, had 33 yep. points, so... You met a, uh, somebody interesting on Saturday? We did, yeah, I met uh, another Barry in the car park at Glen Downs Golf Club after myself and James played our competition, and um, Barry recognised us, our voices from the show, so uh, give him a shout out. Hello, uh, hello to the other Barry. Yeah, the other Barry. The, uh, nice, the nicer Barry. Barry, much sounder Barry, is it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's going to replace this Barry next week on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet in our, your details so we know where <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then Sunday I had my first cap for Grands and Downs yeah. playing in the Metro Cup which is a singles match play team of nine so I was playing away in Ellen Park um, Bob joined me on the back nine to help caddy so I was doing we did okay got into got back to two down on the I think the 14th and hit a bad tee shot I smothered it that was I think I identified that as my chance to step on the the mm. momentum and I lost. I what do you mean by smother it now? I, I, why? No, I didn't. No, I smothered the shot like a, you know, low hook. Okay. So you, low hook, so you, hit, you, had a, you hit a big pull hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smothered yeah. it. <laughs> the only thing I would say in your defense, Barry, you were playing a like 14 year old off, who's now off 8, and you're off 12. So there was. There was four shots in his favour, yeah. and it was on his home course, so it was probably six shots. Yeah, well, to, to, to their, to Ellen Park do have a development programme yeah. where they put all, they bring in new people all the time, and they try to uh, make the Metro Cup all about the, the teenagers there to bring them along and bring their games along, so. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that like you were yeah. by a 14 year old. <laughs> no, you did though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's so. important to flag that up. Yeah. <laughs> And he was good. He was good now. He was a good little golfer, yeah. So anyway, despite my best efforts and my lose, my loss, uh, our team actually won. So we're through to the next round. So we're playing against St Margaret's, which is a course out near the airport. Um, I presume when you say were, you mean the rest of the team, and you're sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Waterboy actually. Yeah, demoted to Waterboy. No, I've got to practice next week, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm not going to dominate. The podcast anymore, my golf. So I'm doing what else. I think it's nice to talk about your uh, 
Kind of your meltdown. My, my meltdowns, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I wasn't a meltdown. A learning experience. What so. did you finish with on the Friday as well? That when we, or sorry, the Tuesday when we were recording last week. How many points, Jeff? Oh, oh, we had the practice round. I had oh, 20, 27, I think. So I beat, I beat, I beat the, I beat the spread anyway, <laughs> which was fourteen points. <laughs> so uh, yeah, not too bad. There was a couple of interesting rules um, questions as well. I came up. We could probably have the next three weeks uh, from the uh, yeah from your match. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can bring it up. Maybe, maybe we can bring it up next week. Rules yeah, section. Yeah. Um, well, I'll try to give a quick rundown. Now, the first thing was that I was told that I was that wasn't allowed caddy because I arrived out after nine holes. And I checked the RNA That's wrong. Yeah. Because I did that actually for a friend of mine playing in the Metro the week before. I, I, arrived, actually, I arrived after nine and caddy from, from ten. And I told Barry's manager. Now, in fairness, and he mentioned the Elm Park manager and the Leaven play. They said, now the, and I checked the rules. You're actually allowed to change a caddy midway through a round if you mm. want. You only had one caddy at a time. And then the other thing that was interesting is both of you were putting, finishing your putts out without the approval from your opponent. They can actually ask you to replay it. That happened in the Ryder Cup with Seve Ballesteros. That's correct. Yes. And it actually happened in Solheim as well. Someone yeah. walked up, knocked it in. So you have to ask for permission to finish out? Yeah. If it's given to you. No, no, no. Yeah. So it hasn't been conceded. So he, so both players had, let's say, 20 footers, left a three foot short, walked up and knocked it in. But you don't have when the honour. You've lost your honour. You, you, the honour is the, the furthest oh. from the hole. So, so let's say it automatically... So let's say the other guy was 20 feet away, Barry was 10 feet. So the other guy had a put from 20 feet, left it three feet short went up and knocked it in. So it wasn't conceded correctly so. Even if it's on the lip and like and it's not given and it's not a gimme. Well if it's on the lip, yeah, and you knock it in, the, your opponent can ask you to take it back out and mark it. <laughs> 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 it's a bit extreme. But, but that was the rules. And then there was another rule I would definitely do that. He knew the rules. <laughs> yeah, well, no. she's still learning from this match, you know, a few days later, so that's good to know. And actually one of the other points that came up is you remember the guy kept playing before you. He did keep playing out of turn when he was closer to the hole. I think it was a tactic. Yeah, well, I think it was all which was, which worked because you lost. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And the thing was, we we, we actually debated. Well, well played, fourteen year old. Well, the thing was, we we debated. It's the world experience he has at the age of fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we debated whether asking to replay a shot and just thought it would be a bit of a. Yeah. There wasn't uh, much in Yeah, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a nice move to make. To, to be fair, a couple of weeks ago we were playing in a match play, and you did ask a guy to not move his tee after taking a drive because you thought he was an inch ahead of the tee box. So you are prone to having a good look at the rules Ooh. in match play. I'm not surprised you stopped uh, on, on on. That was just a side I wasn't going to make him replay the shot. I was just letting him know that we were watching. If he, te- if he tees off ahead of the tee again, you just call him back, don't you? Yeah, because yeah. the ball's not in play. Yeah, yeah. So. Classic Barry. Yeah, it was nice. He yeah. knows he knows the rules when he's not doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's. Um, oh, sorry. And James, you did you play any golf without Barry over the weekend? No, no, no. no. I played on Saturday, and the only thing I will say is that on the thirteenth, I hit a stonking drive right up to the top part. of the hill. Yeah. Yeah. We walked up. It was half a yard off the fairway when it landed. We got up to where it was. We spent five minutes looking for it. We found three other golf balls really? within that area. And I'm, whoever played my golf ball on the 13th when they were playing the 11th ruined my round because <laughs> I had just 
Well, he swapped he swapped a uh, pinnacle for a title, so I am <laughs> very annoyed about it. He's yeah. sitting there, he's sitting there, listening, just going. Woo-hoo! I just say I, I, the best driver had hit all day. I, I hadn't particularly played well, and then you I thought this is great. I'll now have a few holes coming in to to kind of get me back into it for next week. You still want to need a twelve points in the thirteenth to finish level par for today. That is true, Barry. It's rich coming from a guy who lost to a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> Good comeback. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Here's my people um, five rounds. <laughs> we um, we had a tweet during the week from a regular listener, uh, Russell Coombs, uh, who asked us that he 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 said it'd be great to hear our views and reviews at Rainfinders. Wants to know are they worth the money and also is there any non brands that we get on well or that we we've, we've tried and worked. So that's going to be our main discussion topic for this week. Before we do that, uh, we're going to come to our rules related question. Um, we'll also just have a quick look back at last week's events. Don't, don't think there's much to it. Uh, big developments in top 200 competition, which Alan here himself is here to give us an update on. Um, as I said, we give, we'll have a quick, we'll have discussion about rangefinders and GPS systems. And then we'll have a quick look ahead to next week to the Championship at Laguna National in Singapore and in the Wells Fargo. So, without further ado, now, um, the question. Now, this is probably a self-related question and may have happened at, in Elm Park on, uh, on, what day was it? Sunday Sorry. evening. Okay, so, the question is, player B-O-H, just random initials I came up with, <laughs> is three down with three to play. He's playing a par four with water down the left-hand side. His partner has just hit it down the middle. He takes an iron off the tee and proceeds to pull it into the water. Smothered, no, smothered, he's smothered. smothered. <laughs> right? Two of the opposition see the ball, hop into the water, and declare it to be in the water. Player BOH elects to play a provisional. This is where I'm coming creative with my uh, yeah. part of it. Player BOH elects to play a provisional as his ball is in the water hazard. Player BOH hits the provisional down the middle of the fairway. Which of the three... Uh, are the correct answers or the correct rulings? A. Player, player BOH can look for his ball in the water. If he finds it in the water, he has the option to proceed under the applicable water hazard rules or else play the provisional. B is the second ball declared as a provisional off the tee can be played should the first ball be found in the water. C. The second ball declared as a provisional off the tee is in play, and the first ball must be disregarded, even if it is found above ground. So, Barry, you're first to go. Do you need if, to read this? No, no, I'm good, I'm good. If this is a hypothetical, um, it would be interesting because the water hazard would be perfectly clear. But because the actual hazard in question in Ellen Park, there's angled banks down into it, so the ball could easily stop on those banks. Sit so, on the hazard on the banks. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's unplayable, you know, as in it's in the water. I mean, okay, in theory, I could have hit the shot out of the water where the ball was. It would be a bit insane to do it, but um, I'm going to go with A. Okay. I think, you, I think you're allowed to hit a provisional at any time, and if I go up and find that ball in the water, then that's found, and I can proceed to play that ball okay. uh, under the water rules, as you say. And, um, Well, I had pre-answered... Because I my attendance wasn't out tonight, so I went A as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'll give you the answer at the end. Yeah. 
I actually didn't hear the question. <laughs> I was doing something else. <laughs> so I don't know. I have no. But I'll go with A. A, okay. Yeah. Sounds right. I will go with B. I will go with definitely C. I definitely think C might be... I, I have no idea. Okay, well, let's review it at the end. Okay, very nice. Special it's definitely one of those three. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's our, uh, our rules ready question. Okay, last week, um, not the most interesting of weeks of golf, is that fair to say? Um, on a professional level, no. Professional level, actually, I'd say our own individual golf was probably a lot more interesting than. Do you know what? I actually thought the most interesting thing last week was Lydia Ko winning in yeah. the LPGA Tour, yeah. uh, the Swing and Skirts Classics. A what's she? She's seventeen, and she's up to number two in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think that was more. And she, yeah, she beat yeah. off Stacey Lewis in the final round. Held on, won well. Yeah. Um, there was there was a tournament in China that Alexander Levy came out of nowhere to yeah. win from 100 to 1. Um, but yeah, the rest of the leaderboard was actually quite stacked with all the pre-tournament favourites. You know, you've got York, Kiros, Molinari, Polter Stenson, Cabrera Bayo. You know, they all got up there um, with good rounds on the Sunday. So um, yeah, they're staying out there in Asia again this week. Can, um, I, can I just say, the most interesting thing I found about the European Tour event last week was the fact that on the 13th, the hole-in-one prize was a Volvo digger. <laughs> I think probably puts it about as high as what enjoyment I got out of that tournament last week. Because you want a Volvo digger. Well, who doesn't, Barry? But the, o- the only the only real interest that I had was that Quiros, who I have in my top 200, came third. Oh, okay. that was about as exciting that's as a big, it got. That's a big precursor to what's about to come up. So yeah, you, yeah, that yeah. sounds like you might be there in, in the top movers for the week. I hope so. Excellent. And I, I found it so interesting that I actually put a bet on Francesco Molinari before the event, and I only realised that he placed when I looked at my Paddy Power account. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you won. I, I, I was wondering why there was money in there. That shows what a degenerate gambler you are. You actually forget what bets you've put on. Yeah. You, um, Barry, said you saw the highlights. One, the one thing I did think was pretty cool, now, and Alexander Levy played the last hole, which was a long par four, water all down the right. Did you see his last shot? into 18. Oh, he stuffed it in there, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so he was in the left-hand rough. Obviously, the rough water's all down the right. Obviously, he hit it down the left. He, he was three ahead of the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One before, didn't he? Yeah, one before. And he hits the shot out of the rough. And he gives it the whole hand signals and the whole lot. Twirling on the club and everything. Real French flair. Oh, you knew the minute he hit it, he'd nailed it. I was like, this looks like it's going to be pretty good. Pitched about 12 feet short, rolls up about two feet. Yeah. He was giving it all. Yeah, the way he finished yeah, out yeah. yeah, so that was that was flair. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There, there was one interesting, and I know I take the, the make out of the Volvo Tigger, but there was one interesting. That's the 20th different winner in 20 events on the European Tour Is so it? far. Yeah. Well, so there's well, been no good. consistency so far on the tour as to winners. The French guys are doing really well the last yeah. couple months as well. Yeah. Yeah. They really just jump on the bandwagon when one of them wins. The rest of them seem to just kind of, you know, get up on their horse and let's go, let's go win the golf tournament. It's like the Australians as well. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I think at the time that Louis Eustazen had won, there was a comment by him that the other South Africans would pull up their socks. And then I think yeah. the following week, another South African, that it does, once they see one of their friends win, that kind of pushes mm. them on to, to, to kind of perform. And, and Harrington for the Irish. Yeah. Maybe over a slightly longer period, period of time, you know. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. 20 and 20. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I've noticed with the European Tour this year is that it's, and even the PJ Tours, it's so hard to predict who's going to go well any week, on any given week. These guys, they're, just, they're all that good that they can just have a good week. You know, they could have a nice hotel room or, you know, 
anything could trigger them to go on and win every, any week. So it's, but from a punting point of view, I find it's it very difficult. Betting minefield. At the moment, yeah, yeah. The only thing is in the European Tour, like Poulter and Stenson didn't play great, and they were there thereabouts. And I think when you look at the when the big boys, the elite players, turn up in the you know there's two or three elite players. Now I know yeah. Duffner didn't do great in Europe. But I think when the big boys turn up, I think it's almost worth having them inside. I think the PGA Tour is very difficult. If you can get them at you know even like sixteen or twenty to yeah. one, it's generally an alright yeah. trade bet, and you you, know, you you'll get a good you know get a good sweat for your money anyway. But uh, it's still it's really difficult to pick the winners. Anyone watch much of the Zurich Classic? I watched Sunday night. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I um, watched I watched about four or five holes of it, and I just found that a bit. Actually, the only the, the and probably similar to what James is thinking here, the funniest bit I thought was when Keegan Bradley. Made a total hordex of one of the par fours, had a triple bogey. I think yeah. he basically duck hooked into the water, had over 300 left, took a double, it was a triple bogey actually, three put of the green when he hit it. And then when he came to the par five that has the one yard wide bunker, about 300 down the middle. I saw that. And he drove it straight into <laughs> <the foot. laughs> It's kind of gone, when it's not your day, it's not and, your and day. There was a moment on the commentary where they went, oh, he's hit that beautifully. You gotta be kidding! He's found the one one yard bunker. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah, not gonna be yeah. happy when he gets up there. What did he um, actually? He actually hit his. He chipped it out twenty yards, and then he hit his next shot into about four feet. Yeah, his, yeah. Um, he held he held out for the bar on it. You know, did he? Yeah, he, he got also, up and down. I think, but no, because it was it was part five. First shot of the bunker, one out. And was it a five? Shot. But I don't know whether he made the birdie or not. Like I, I, I didn't. That was a, after that. I didn't really watch. My, my funny Keegan Bradley moment was they showed a video replay of his round and how many lip outs he had. And I think he had about six or seven lip outs in the whole round. He had like full horseshoes, you know, half horseshoes, turbo lip outs. He was he was actually just looking up. He, he couldn't. It was one of those rounds he just could not believe. And I'd say he couldn't wait to get off the golf course. Wait, did he but, get um, rid of that belly putt? Yeah, time to ditch it. I was, I was impressed by no though because did you see his, his drive in the first. No. Oh my god, he, I, he, I think he only had a three wood, but jeez, he was so far right on the first, like miles right. And he ended up making a bogey, it was his first bogey of the week. Yeah. Um, so I thought he was just going to collapse from there. He was dead, he hits the ball so far, he's tiny, like his little, no, he's a, he's a lollipop chair. stick. Yeah. Like, did, I thought his ball flight was brilliant, so it was really, really low, he was hitting these long iron stingers, like maybe 20 foot in the air, and they're going out about 280, 290. Um, mm-hmm. The, the lads in the commentary were saying it was great how he controls his ball flight in the wind and fair play to him. We did, a, we did an episode, um, I don't know, a good bit back about um, Sean Foley and someone you'll know was working with Foley up until the end of 2013. And left him. And he's left him, yeah. And Lee Westwood's left him mm. and he's won very recently. Yeah, and he's playing well. He's 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 in, in with a good chance this yeah. week. Sean's going to need to think of another revenue stream if these if the lads yeah. keep leaving him. Yeah. The, the bit that I did watch and when I ever went on to Sky to watch uh, the, the Zora Classic, it seemed to me that every time I went on, they were just analysing his swing. It just constantly, there was triangles being drawn across yeah. him, there was keeping inside <laughs> the triangle, not doing this. Every time I logged on to the TV, it seemed to be that they were talking about this guy's swing. But he, I think that's the thing, he does have a technically very good swing. You know, that's what they're saying, as I always say, I don't really know, but like... When they were drawing the lines, they looked like impressive lines to me. Yeah, <laughs> well, I never knew you had to say it's like a triangle. They were, they were yellow lines. <laughs> I'd say Barry was wet in his pants looking at that. Yeah, it was, uh, he was, he's an amazing, he's a fantastic golf swing and, you know, and another winner kind of from nowhere. 101 winner. He was uh, 168 in the world or something. He was something high up. Uh, yeah, not, not eligible for the top 200 anyway. 
Um, cool, very good. Well, listen, let's move on. Speaking of top 200, let's move on to the top 200 update. Um, Alan, do you want to give us an update? Um, good few changes on this. Yes, I'd like to keep this very short and sweet because, unfortunately, I have been removed from the top of the table, so I've kind of lost interest. But... Um, I go into it anyway. We have, uh, just, I suppose, to give a quick, a quick bit of background as per usual, um, this is a competition where we pick two players, one from the European Tour, one from the US Tour. They have to be outside the top 200 in the world rankings. Um, if you would like to enter, we'll keep an entries open until the middle of the summer for those new listeners we have. Um, just send your two players to at podcast GTS and put hashtag top 200 after your two players. And now to the serious stuff, I suppose. Um, there was a lot of movement this week, um, and yet again, James is top of the pile. Moved 72 spots. Right. That is a smug smile, you're all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of you are lucky you can't see it. Um, also a big week for my old foe, Davy DeGrief, who moved 65 spots. Stephen O'Connor moved 60 spots, and David Sacombe moved 52 spots. There was also a lot of people who went the other way and lost roughly about 20 spots each, so oh. it was a serious moving week. So then that brings us obviously to our top three in the standings, and there's obviously been a bit of movement here. Stephen O'Connor has now taken top spot at 264. I have been relegated back down to second with 285, and David Grief has moved hot on our heels with 294. Um, and we will obviously, as per usual, put the leaderboard up, um, later on this evening, mm. so everyone can see where they're standing. We, we did miss the leaderboard last week, but I'll get on top of it today and get it up. So, particularly, see, as you've dropped off top spot, yeah. extra motivation to like that. Out. Yeah, yeah. I might put a red circle around it and a down arrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, listen, we're going to move on. As I mentioned at the start, uh, Russell Coombs contacted us and he just wanted to hear our views and reviews of rangefinders and whether they're whether they're worth the money. Um, we don't necessarily have a lot of access to, I suppose, lo- uh, loads of different uh, rangefinders of GPS, but what we do have, and we do have a few between us, we said we have a chat. So, first of all, I suppose we'll give an overview for people maybe who, who are new to the game or who, who haven't got these accessories. Really just give an overview of what exactly is a laser rangefinder or what a GPS yardage system and really simply to describe the laser rangefinder, really it's just um, uh, almost a... Monocular. Monocular, would that be the correct term? Yeah. I think so, yeah. That's very impressive. Um, so that would be a monocular that you would look through and you press the button, you zone in on the flag and it will give you the exact distance to the flag. So it's very easy, it's just a laser that you shoot at the at the flag, gives you the exact distance. The GPS yardage system has got a bit more to it. I suppose it's a... Um, it's a portable device that has a screen on it, and some of the basic ones really just have yardages up front, middle, and back. And then some of the more, uh, kind of, I suppose, more comprehensive ones um, would be would have a lot more details, and we'll come to some of those now in a second. I suppose my first question to you guys is, do you think they're necessary in golf? GPS yardage system or laser rangefinder, or are they necessary, or are they just nice to have? I think relative to your handicap, mm. um, the lower your handicap goes, the more necessary they become. And I think for lower handicappers, I think they're vital mm. anyway. I'd be lost without it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, it's, 
it's handy being able to, I suppose, it depends if you're looking for exact yardages, because if you're happy to get the yardage to the middle of the green or the front of the green, you can just do your pacing out from the stakes on the course. But mm. if you want exact yardages and you're a low handicap and you have a good idea, I suppose, of how far you hit each club, then they are pretty important, I would think. The one reason I bought, I bought a very basic one about three or four years ago, and the reason actually when I was playing in Glen of the Downs you guys, the distance in Glen of the Downs is to the middle of the green. So therefore, if the pin was at the front, you're kind of a bit guessing as to... The depth of the green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, how far on is it from the middle, or how short was the middle? So I liked to have just a simple front, middle and, middle and back for when I was looking at it. So I thought it was useful for that. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I've noticed in the Down since I got a GPS is that the yardage stakes are not quite exactly right. Okay. So not very friendly for somebody who's arriving at the course. Yeah. I mean, they're a few yards out, but I mean, a few yards matters, ultimately. You know, depends the on the handicap. It does, yeah. It does depend on the handicap and you know your consistency and how far you hit your clubs, but it could be the difference between clearing a bunker and not clearing a bunker. Mm. So... Um, yeah, but anyway, look, since I got one, it's changed my game, and um, I couldn't recommend it enough to, for somebody else to get one. I, I, I think they are great. I, I have one of the more high-end ones, um, because I'm that kind of way inclined to buy everything that looks professional and play amateur, <laughs> but I think the thing that I find is twofold with it. One, it does speed up the game, because I'm not actually spending time looking at... Am I 150? I don't need Great to. Point. I walk up. I know where it is. I can say 150 yards out, 180 yards out. The other more beneficial for my game at the moment is if I'm 80 yards to the left off the fairway <laughs> or 150 yards the other direction, it still gives me the distance to the green. So I'm not yeah. wasting time going, God, am I however far? It does speed up the game. And, it, and where we talk about slow play, if they're used right and properly, then yeah, it, it speeds up the game on the course, which helps. And the GPS systems actually turn the green as well, so that you get the front, middle, and back from your angle, which is a great It does, advantage. yeah. And, mm. and certainly, and I'll come on to mine in a minute, mm. but the one that I have, because it has an overview, and I suppose I'll talk about I have the Golf Buddy Platinum, um, yeah. and it to me, it has the full view. It's 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 kind of like an iPhone, in effect. It's got a touch screen. It's full color. Um, it's very, very responsive to getting the satellites when you get onto the course, you just turn it on. When you walk to the tee, it will recognize exactly what course you're on, if you're on the, 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 the mm-hmm. blues or the whites, and it will do it to the front middle. But the great benefit is you can decide if you're going to lay up on a par five and you want an exact distance, you know, to a, certain, rough, point. To a certain point, you can press it on the mm-hmm. machine and it will tell you exactly to that point. If there's a bunker halfway down the fairway, you can find out how far that bunker is. So it's definitely very beneficial for those kind of things. You can actually write out, you can <coughs> use a little pencil and put different points around the course because it's, it's a, it gives you a full-time overview of where you are in the hole and even if you're at the start of the hole, it shows you the full hole, what all the yardages are to all the different bunkers and stuff like that, which I think is very useful. You can definitely customise it by adding marks. So if mm. you are a shorter hitter off the tee, if, for instance, you're playing over water and you might have to go to the left, you can actually take a tree that's over to the left and mark that as, mm. that's 150 or that's 200 yards. It, it is very good. I, the, the problem is it's desperately expensive. But Yeah, um, yeah it's retailing at €299 Euro list price at the moment in in McGurk's, in, yeah. in, which is an Irish golf shop. Um, the, so one, the one thing is, I would say about it is that, what, and what I did like, is that you can move the... The flags, it can be as simple or as detailed as you want it to yeah, be. Yeah. Um, but I think that probably at the level that I'm playing for, 
it's probably a very expensive toy to have at a 16 handicap where perhaps if I was off <clears throat> six or eight, you know, six or lower where you want an exact to the middle of the green or to the back left, you can mm-hmm. move the flag to exactly where it is on the green, which certainly yeah. would help if I was a lower handicap. Barry, you have the Golf Buddy GPS watch. Yeah, yeah. How, how is that different to the one James has, the James has the Golf Buddy Platinum GPS? How is that different to that? They always differ by about two or three yards on the distance when yeah. we're side by side. In terms no, of features. In terms of features, um, it, the only thing it actually really doesn't do um, is give you an overview of the hole. Okay. Other than that, it actually fulfills quite a lot of the, the needs you want. So it can show you distances to hazards and bunkers. Um, you can zoom in on the green, so it has a dynamic green view, okay. pen, depending on whether, what side of the green you're on. It has a few set pin positions that you can, you know, move move around to find the distance to. They're kind of standard pin positions, but it does. It gives you front, middle, and back, and um, you know, it just sits there on the bag, and the archers are just sitting there ready to go. And quick question about it: If there's thirteen bunkers. Is it easier to identify? Is it easy to identify which are a great no. example? In the fifteenth in Glendale Downs, there's three bunkers down the left hand side. There are, yeah. Is it easy to identify what the front to the front of the bunker and back bunker of each bunker? No, it only give you the yardage to the front of each bunker. Okay. So there, it's at that stage where it kind of falls down on its yeah. uh, the, the map functionality you'd see in James's one with, yeah. with the overview on the screen. But for for an entry level, it, I mean, it's only under hundred euros to get James's now, so. Other than the fact that I won this in a competition, um, I, actually, I, I would actually go and buy, spend the extra €100 euro and get the one with the full LCD screen, mm. get the extra features, and, and just not be worried about it. I find it a little fiddly to work with the buttons. I always forget which button accesses which feature. Would, at no disrespect, but at your handicap level, uh, let's say compare to something like Alan, who's off four, mm. would that €100 euro extra to go to something that James has deliver enough benefit to your golf game? I don't know the answer now, I'm just asking. I think, me, it's more of a, a mental choice and I'd want the most information possible yeah. and okay. that's what that yeah. would give to me and I'd feel more comfortable with that. So that's 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 my approach, you know, have the most information available and then it should enable me to make the best decision. I had a very similar one, a Golf Buddy Pro, which is the kind of cheaper junior version of the platform GPS and I use it for that front, middle and back. And I kind of touched on this before that my irons wouldn't be as strong as someone like Alan's, but I like to kind of try and look at the hole and the yardages and go, right, pick a 30-yard gap that I want to hit my iron into. So if I hit it well, I'm probably going to be towards the back of that gap. If I don't quite catch it when I'm at the front of the gap, so to give myself the biggest room for error. So mm. that's where I find that the systems where front, middle, and back is very useful. Um, but I suppose moving on, on, you actually have a laser. Yeah, uh, the one of the Bushnell Tour rangefinders. I think you probably have the V2. I think. Yeah, well, I used to have a GPS. I actually started out with a GPS, and I found similar to what you had, Barry. Um, I think in Milltown, I was getting different yardages from the stakes compared to what I was getting from the GPS, and then that was throwing me. So I wasn't confident in the yardage that I was hitting. Um, and it was funny because I was playing with two of the lads there last week, and I had measured it out from the stakes to the back of one of the greens. And one of the guys had a GPS and one of the guys had a watch. And all three were out by kind of 10 yards either way. You had to use the laser to... No, no, I, I, I measured this out by foot. So I measured it out from the stakes. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And there was a 10, there was a 10 yard difference between the, between the watch and the GPS and then another five yards of the stakes. Mm. So like that kind of thing would throw me. So the, uh, obviously this is the reason I moved to a laser, um, 
a few, I must be about two years ago. And I suppose, as I was saying, the kind of the lower you get, like I'd be pretty confident in how far I'd be hitting my my irons from like a seven iron down. I'd have a good idea mm, of mm. exact distances. So that's why I found the laser really good because you can obviously zap the flag and you know exactly what you have. And the other thing is you can obviously zap the bunkers around the green and stuff like this. So you'll have a good idea of, of all the other kind of target areas. Yeah, they're not just limited to the flag itself. You can zap anything that can, you can get exactly. the back off. Exactly, yeah. It is, um, is it helpful also as well that if you're playing the same course, you probably play the same course probably 90% of the time? Yeah. So therefore, zapping distances, whereas let's say if you turned up somewhere and you're zapping a distance, you may not know, well, is that only four yards over a bunker or is that at the back of the green? Do you know what I mean? Does it benefit you a lot more because you're playing the same course? Yeah, like probably. You get an advantage there, yeah. yeah. Mm. But um, I suppose the only the issues I would have with it are I've actually had a couple of instances where I've zapped the flag and I've got up and hit a shot and I've air mailed the green by about 30 yards and, <laughs> and, it, and it turns out that I was zapping a bush in the background. <laughs> Sometimes it can actually be it can actually be very difficult to pick up the flag and especially when it's not windy and the flag is sitting yeah. sitting dead. It's actually, and you're hit, and you're hitting from like 180, 190. It's actually very difficult to pick up the flag. So that, that I have problems with it on that front. Um, and then obviously you're restricted. I spend a lot of the time off the fairway. So when you're behind <laughs> trees, <laughs> you can't pick up the flag if you're, if there's heavy I, I, never forestry used, in front of you. I've never used the actual laser one that you yeah. have. And, and perhaps for listeners who might be in the same position. Is it the flag stick that you're looking for? Is it the actual flag itself? Or what, what, what are you actually zapping? When you say you're zapping it, what exactly are you locking onto? Well, I'd lock onto the flag. So if there's a wind blowing, the flag would be flapping and you can kind of zap on. You have a little, you have a tiny little circular thing in the middle of it. What do we call it? Target and aim. Target and aim. Monocular. You look like a sniper, don't you? Yeah. When you're using them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so you're trying to zap onto the flag or something. So it's actually physically the, the flag. Yeah, not the but like, it, it can actually be very, it can actually be very, the target area to hit is very small. Yeah. If you had a few jars the night before, it's impossible. To, it's, it can be hard to pick it up. So I do find it very good, but there are, for, as you say, James, for the money that you're paying for it, I would expect it to be a little bit better than what it is. Well, it's it's actually the most expensive of the lot again in McGurk's at the moment. And this is the newer model V three, which apparently buzzes when uh, when you hit the flag. It's three hundred twenty nine euros. So that's that's a lot well, that, well. See, that's good. If it, bu- like if it buzzes when it picks up the flag, I, I think there are better ones since the one I since the one I got that actually stabilise the the picture in front of you and the, the auto find the flag. Don't yeah, they? I haven't I haven't used them there, but it confirms that you've picked up the flag effectively. Because I use one for a bit, and yeah, when you when you hit the flag, a little circle comes around to say that you hit the flag, and let's say in your example, not a bush in the background. So yeah, and there's apparently a V four coming out as well, so they might be ironing out some of those. Exactly. Issues. Yeah. Can I ask a question just for somebody who's thinking about buying a GPS versus a laser? If they go, obviously we all know we all know our home courses quite well. But if there's somebody who likes to go play different courses and new courses for the first time, mm. would you would you recommend they get like a, a stroke saver for that golf course to combine with their laser because they don't have the picture for the course? And as Bob said, you don't know whether a certain thing is only you know what's beyond a certain hazard. Like if there's a bunker beyond a hill that you're zapping or. You know, is that something you do when you go to different courses to get a stroke saver to combine with your laser? Yeah, I would always pick up a stroke saver from playing a different course. Um, mm. But I, 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 would, I nearly argue that if you were doing that and you were playing kind of different courses a lot more, I'd nearly go for the GPS rather than the laser. Well, it's certainly that was going to be, and 
that I think is the positive of the one I have over say, yeah. the one you have, Barry, mm. is because you have the overview. I actually, to a certain extent, I don't have to buy then the, the stroke mm. saver. It has 40-odd thousand courses you can mm. add stuff. Now, obviously, the course has to be in the system. That obviously is paramount. But you can just turn up to the first tee and you get a very nice coloured screen with where the bunkers are, the, the shape of the hole, you know, it's dog leg left, you know, right or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can see it from the tee. So you, where the laser obviously lets you down in that respect. Exactly. But it, it, I suppose there's a certain preference on, on, on a personal level of what one would work for each person. Bushnell have actually brought out another unit. I actually have, I think it's, again, another 100 euro. It's actually a combination of the laser and the GPS. So, but that's 429 euro. That's, I mean, I think that's... That's starting to stretch a bit, isn't that's it? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Bit, you know? I think it depends at the level you're at, really, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, what, what are you looking for and mm. how much improvement are you trying to get? Do you use your laser on the driving range? Yes. So you, when you're standing on the driving range, you hit your drive, you can, you can, to a certain extent, try and work out how far you've hit it. Yeah, so I, I laser all the targets. Like, that, that, that's actually where it's very good for that, you. That certainly obviously, would add to... Obviously, the GPS doesn't work in the range. So <laughs> yeah. that, that's a good point. loaded up as options for courses. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, my boss in work actually uses, he actually started using a distance measuring app on the iPhone. So, again, it's a bit like the GPS and it, and it loads up. And I think he bought it and he might have paid a bit of an outlay. I think it might have been, I think it could be something like 20 euro or something like that. Um, so that is another option because Russell was asking as well, is there any other, you know, non-brands that you've got on well with? Um, and he seems to like it, but the big downside is that his iPhone the battery dies quite quickly. And if you don't have a charger on your cart or, or in the car, yeah. you're without a phone. It's constantly communicating with the 3G yeah. to you know, get data for it. Um, I used one I used one once before and experienced a similar thing. Um, it was based on Google Maps. Unfortunately, the map, the... The quality of the mapping wasn't that high, you know. It was very, it was quite pixelated. So, but it did work, you know. And mm-hmm. so, and that was a that was a free app. Um, ultimately, I think my recommendation would be, you know, if, if you are serious about your, you know, about your golf or you love your golf and you go play a lot, it's a very worthwhile investment and it helps your game no matter what level you're at. I think. And yeah. you have it for years. It's not like a yeah. It's not a one two year thing. You certainly get a good five years out of it. Absolutely. Out of a good GPS. Yeah. The only one thing I thought was. You know, I suppose, I suppose in Ireland nowadays, we see a lot of supermarkets coming in, like Lidl and stuff like that. Mm. I'm surprised that they don't put a bit of effort into producing one for 150 quid or 100 quid or something like that and produce it and I see see could they produce I it. I think that'll come. I mean, you might get the companies like Golf Buddy or Sky Caddy who have all the, the mapping of the courses done might actually sell the maps mm. off to a supermarket like a Lidl or an Aldi and then they can just throw it into a... A cheaply produced unit, but it, then it that would happen. that would ruin their own business. So they wouldn't sell them. I think. I, I think that the the lower end will be still taken up with what is getting much better on the iPhone apps. Uh, I, I had the Golf uh, Logics, which I thought was an excellent app. Now I, I decided to change just because exactly that problem. Mm. By the time you walk off the course, you could be in the middle of the round, and if you haven't fully charged that phone, if oh you God, tee off at twelve o'clock. You're not getting through the whole eight course. Also, when it's raining, you don't want your iPhone out and about all the time getting soaked. These things are weather protected. Very and good they're point. Re- and they're shock re- resistant. So there's a lot of damage that can take, they can take too. The other problem that I had at the time was that, um, on your iPhone, 
you can obviously people could say that you're getting weather information you could be getting wind oh, yeah. directions yeah. so there was an element to me that i refused to use it during the competitions in case somebody on the course said oh you're not using that for just you know and you're getting more information and so. some clubs still don't allow iphones to be used in the course for yeah. that reason because mm. you're getting it some of them are against the rules so there's definitely a downside to the iphone app ones but i think that that's where the 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 cheaper end of the market will be taken up as the apps rather than through somewhere like a, a little or an Aldi or um before we wrap up on this then um the one thing that we should mention is that these are all list prices in McGurk's. Uh, in Ireland particularly, we have some very good second-hand websites, Dundeal and Adverts, and even through eBay as well. You can get these for yeah. much, much reduced prices. So, for example, the Golf Buddy Pro, which is the one I mentioned, you can now get it for €100, Euro, um, and it's it's got the basic information that myself and Barry were talking about, the watch. And the watches, again, are, sim- are available for €100. Euro. And I think the lasers are available for under €200. Euro. So, and, you know, assuming that you're buying them from someone that, that's reputable and, you know, they're trustworthy on these websites, you can also get them for much more reason if you're willing to take a second-hand unit. So that's that's another kind of thing. Yeah, and you're, not, you're only losing this, what, a bit of weathering on the case. So long as the screen is functional and it's, you know, the battery's not completely drained, it's, it's a great way to get them. So are we saying they're worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Yes, three yes. thumbs up, four thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they're definitely worth it, especially if you're into your golf. They're 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 a good purchase, and, and it'll definitely help your game. Um, okay, cool. Well, listen, I hope um, everyone found that found that useful. We're going to have a quick look ahead to next week um, in Europe. Um, in inverted commas, we're in Singapore on the European Tour and and playing an event called the Championship at Laguna National. Um, and I don't think there's much to this event really, Barry, is there? Well, it's, it's well, probably a tier two event in, in Paris. It is kind of, yeah. They're returning to this course for the first time since 2007, so mm. there's no real kind of course form for us to really go on, uh, or recent course form for us to predict. Not that that would help with predictions on the European Tour these days. And um, there's a couple of couple of names that people recognise at the top of the, the betting, like Bernd Fiesberger, Ross Fisher, Tommy Fleetwood had a good week last week, and Rafa Cabrera Bayo. There's a few French guys in there as well. They might just jump on the back of Levy's coattails and take the tournament down. So, um, again, it's going to be a tough one for us to watch because, you know, it's on at awkward times, you know, starting when we're going to bed and it's pretty much over when you're getting up and going to work. So, um, probably a case of catching on the highlights show and uh, just mm. waiting for waiting for the European tour to get back to mainland Europe. In fairness to Sky, they actually put on a couple of hours in the morning. They're kind of nice, 9 to yeah. 12 o'clock, so you can catch it if, yeah. if you so choose. And their new highlight shows are great. The one-hour packages they do are actually really in, They're a great way to catch up on the tournament. I'd still be confident enough that next Tuesday we'll be sitting here saying, I saw none of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on that, I presume nobody's having a bet on it. No. 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 Not, not in Europe, anyway. I'm not. I'm going to have a bet in, in America. Okay, well, let's move on to that then. Nicely, nicely segued on. Um, this week is the Wales Fargo Championship, which is the, correct me now if I'm wrong, but this is this event that McElroy was in 2010. He nearly missed the cut and came back and shot a 62 and won. Yeah. Was it his and hold that monster on the 18th green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but this should be a good championship. Um, yeah. Should, should be decent. You've got the odds there, have you, with James, have you? I, I do. And, and, I've always say in this program, I'm not a huge betting person, but if somebody can can explain to me why every time Rory McIlroy goes into a competition, they give him ridiculous odds. He's seven to one this week, and um, he hasn't particularly set the world alight over the last while. And at yeah. seven to one, I think it's just a very very short. He's had five odds. top tens in his last seven starts, so 
and he's and he's won here before, yeah. and he's lost. Did he lose in a playoff to Fowler? Was it a playoff? Yeah, yeah. 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 We hit that rejector really yeah. shot in the iron in on the playoff hole. Fowler did, but I, but I think James's point is good. Yeah. That he's, only won, he's only won once in the last what. Like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought you were all against me there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but I think slowly coming around. But yeah, I'd, I'd say the bookies are trying to protect themselves from in each way. I'd say they just don't want to. They don't want to uh, take on any liability on him. No, I think he's going to go well this week. Um, he's, he's had some good starts. I saw a little interesting article just quickly that he has actually his world rankings dropped, and he's down to eleventh now in the world yeah. rankings. He's had five top tens in his last seven starts, and uh, he's actually dropping down. It's, uh, it's just it's a, you know the world rankings yeah, go he's, obviously, he's obviously losing a lot of points then from two years ago yeah it's, it's yeah. strange I mean, it'd be nice to see uh, a short shorter term world rankings maybe mm-hmm. you, know, you can do it in side by side it'd be interesting to see uh, that done I'm keeping an eye on him for my second top 200 team get him dropped now <laughs> <laughs> him and four yeah, yeah exactly so, yeah. Uh, any, anyone got any fancies for this week you said you're gonna have a bet. I have a bet. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a cracking field. I love the. I love the Wells Fargo. I think the course is great, and the field is always pretty strong. I am having a cut at Ricky Fowler. What? After his missed cut, oh, you're capitalising on a bit of value. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. He, he's bubbling under all year. Yeah. Um, he's, he's playing very. He, he's he's nearly there. I think embedding in that swing, and he's. Um, Obviously, I, obviously won here before. I don't like backing golfers going through swing changes, and I'd like to see them in contention. Like, and I know he did, was he fifth in the Masters, is it? Yeah. 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 So he's possibly in contention. I don't like backing someone at swing changes until I see them in contention a couple I, of times. I think he's a decent price. I think 28 is a decent price for a guy who's won here before and who's had a bit of form mm. this year. Mm. Yeah, even with going through swing changes. Like, I think yeah. um, the other guy I was looking at was... I. Was looking at Westwood, and I went in yeah. expecting to see him at about forty to one, and he was is he sixteen to one? Yeah, yeah. what? The, book, the bookies favorite? always kill Westwood because they know he's, yeah. when he gets in form, he's a machine for the each ways. But he's a great yeah. record around Wells Fargo, isn't he? I don't yeah. mean, he hasn't won there, but he's he's consistent. He's had a lot of top. He's, had, he's had two top fives, fives the last two years, and he wasn't even playing great last year. Yeah. Had, you know, top I, believe, I believe they've added five hundred yards to the course as well, which should play into into Westwood's hands as well because he's such a good ball striker. He hits the ball a long way, long and straight. Yeah. That's a lot of distance. Five hundred yeah. yards, so, huge. Yeah, yeah. So thirty yards a hole, nearly. Yeah, and it's, and it's a re- it's a real driving course. You know, you've yeah, gotta be long, gotta be accurate. Um, they've big greens, so uh, but mostly you know driving will be a key factor this week. And length will be yeah. very telling. Um, I have I have one pick. Uh, well, I'm I'm betting on him, and I'm going to pick him from our presenter bet as well. Um, Jamie Donaldson, he's been playing quite nice recently, and uh, I know it's his first time in the course, but. Um, I think you know fifty to one. I think worth a little, worth a little punt. He's playing very well in the states, and he obviously likes playing tough courses as well. So um, yeah, I think um, he's my presenter pick as well. As well okay. as my little, little, little I forgot about the presenter side. presenter pick. Um, it's probably your turn this week. Yeah, I, sorry, I totally forgotten who I picked for the presenter pick there. But I'm going with Ryan Moore. Oh, Even though he's a little bit out of form, he likes it. He likes it around here. I'm kind of, and actually I was thinking of having a bet room, so this actually yeah, saves me having to have a bet. Um, great driver of the ball, and I think James actually just wrote his name down. Hunter Mahan, I'm going to go for. Sorry, James, you can split the profits with me if, when I when I take a fiver off the lads if you like. No, I, I'm just going to go for Bo Van Pelt, because I like his name. <laughs> Works in the ground. You know what, it's better than throwing a dart into the board, so Bo Van Pelt. 
Cool, okay. Well, you, you take note of them, Barry, maybe we'll, we'll... I always forget the next week who, who was on. Yeah, 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 we pretty much win every week. Did you say your... Uh, I did, yeah. I remember with Jamie Donaldson. James oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll call... Forgettable. I'll, yeah, I'll take... I'm going to go out the limb here and say Barry is not going to win the presenter bet. <laughs> I think Donaldson could go okay because he's played well on tough courses this year. Oh, no, I, I'm going to be open to abuse next week. Okay, okay. right, <laughs> <on>, right <laughs> down the line. Right take him on. I think you were kind of not certain you were going to be here next week. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> won't be here if Jamie Donaldson wins. Um, okay, cool. Well, um, before we move on to the rules related question, another uh, hopefully nice weather, a weekend of weather ahead of us, because um, for, for people who don't live in Ireland, we're having a good run in the weather. So are you, you guys playing any golf the weekend ahead? Playing a bit. I, um, we're playing Saturday in the normal Saturday competition, and we yeah. have a match play on Monday against your brother and dad. Yeah, so in our club match play, uh, James and myself mm-hmm. teamed up in the four ball match play, and uh, we got drawn against my dad and my brother. So the Titanic battle nice. going on on Monday oh. afternoon. Might need to do a bit of live tweeting or something like that from that. Looking um, forward to talking about that. Yeah, awesome. no, I, know, I, I, have, I have a match play all over the place. It's I've, all my partners. Yeah, partners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, whipping boy of this podcast. I have a singles match play match tomorrow in Glen Downs as well, the internal match play. So, um, there's, no way you're, there's no way you're beating this guy alone by his name. Ray Victory. I'm dead. <laughs> Does that change by Depot? I'd say he might have changed it by Deep Paul before he played Barry. I'm changing my name. (laughs) It's going to be ten and eight and an early an early shower for Barry. (laughs) Okay, very good. I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to play. Not due my clubs arrived by maybe Friday. We're playing Monday. Are we? Yeah. (laughs) Can you share clubs? Oh, in twelve hours. Oh, are we? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So, so you are playing this. <laughs> okay, there we go. I just, just realised that now. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'll get a set of clubs for that. So, um, okay, cool. Very good. Well, listen, coming down to the rules later question, and it is quite an interesting one. Um, basically, it comes down to the, the actual core of the question. I won't read it all out again. Is uh, I, I Barry, Barry gets a tee shot, smothers it left into the water. The plane, the other guys beside him. See the ball. They say they see the ball going into the water hazards. We, we guess the same. So you can yeah. just give us the answer. The answer was C. That um, the second ball declared as a provisional off the tee is in play, and the first ball must be disregarded, even if it's found above ground. It is against the rules of golf to play a provisional based on the wall. The ball has gone into the water, and I'll actually read you uh, from the actually RNA website. The question was, can I play a provisional ball if I think my ball has gone, to, gone into a water hazard? It is not possible to play a provisional ball simply when you think your original ball may have gone into a water hazard. However, you are entitled to play a provisional ball if the original ball may also be lost outside the water hazard, or if it may have gone out of bounds. Now, the obvious thing is, if you play a provisional and you don't find it in the water, you then have to declare it lost because it's not virtually certain that it's in the water. That's a real grey area, isn't it? Because it, it, no. I think it is. I think no, it is. Because it's just, it just, you're looking at a shot maybe 200 yards away. I'm with you on this, Barry. I didn't understand any of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it can yeah. the rules. Yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob's trying to lower us again. God, there's no very little water in Milton. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> don't say none because you know you're in it. Yeah, yeah, I will. Honestly, <laughs> you know, on the eighth in Milton, if you hit the ball over the back of the green, I presume you can say with virtual certainty it's in the water, can you? I presume so, yeah. yeah. No. You've never gone that. Never have. I've been there a lot. I've never bent the rails every time I go in there. <laughs> Zapping the bushes with a laser. Yeah. 
Excellent. Okay, well, let's, we'll leave it at that. Um, so it's still 8-7, is it? Still 8-7 down on now and still do Scott first. So keeping just about just, keeping just about ahead of Barry and just about ahead of David Degree. So they're all coming oh, to get you. Jeez, yeah. God. It's yeah. the two nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, if, if anyone... Um, for, well, And again, actually, thanks to Russell Coombs for contacting us with that agenda item. Uh, really enjoyed talking about that. If anyone else would like to contact us with some items that they'd like us to talk about... We're at email at a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. We're at Twitter at, at podcast GTS. Our top 200 hashtag again is hashtag top 200. Um, so thanks a to everyone for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys. All right. Good luck. Bye bye. Well, you're fine. Bye bye.